Welcome to Key 3 Educators, helping you excel as a Christian school leader, educator, or homeschooler as you outfit students to learn themselves, love God, and live connected. Here's your host, Stephanie Smith. Hello, my friend. When this episode initially airs, we are going to be in the month of May, and this is going to be the wrap-up year for the academic school year. So I just want to tell you, hey, congratulations, you've made it this far. I hope that is it is a resounding success for you as you wrap up this year. And wherever you're going to be this summer, I hope that it is a time of great refreshment and encouragement and rejuvenation for you. On today's episode, you're going to be encouraged to consider creating a report card for yourself for this school year that you're getting ready to wrap up. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Don't freak out. All right. Don't turn off the podcast. Don't slam your laptop. You probably are like, I don't need one more report card to fill out. But I want to encourage you to approach this with an open mind and to follow through on this. Why? Because here's one thing I know. People, businesses, and organizations who succeed in the long term have one habit in common. Now, I don't mean the only one, but they have this particular habit in common. They intentionally and systematically conduct reviews and not just some sort of sloppy haphazard. Oh yeah, that was a good year or whatever. But they intentionally and systematically conduct reviews that really get to the heart of measuring what needs to be measured. So I'm gonna talk to you today about 10 items that you need to put on your report card. Don't freak out, this is not a condemning, judgmental, look at all the ways that you failed kind of exercise. Quite the opposite, quite the opposite indeed. So before we jump into that, if you're new to this podcast, wherever you keep track of your tasks, Make sure this summer that you're going to go back and you're going to listen to previous episodes. So whether you use a snoozed email or you've got a task list that pops up on alarms or you have a calendar of tasks or however you keep track of your tasks and to-do lists, maybe it's just post-it notes randomly stuck around on your refrigerator or a desk or the back of a door, whatever it is, make a note today. Don't put this off till tomorrow. Make a note today to go back and to begin listening to episodes that you have not had a chance to listen to yet. We've covered some phenomenal resources, books like The Working Genius and Predictable Success. We've talked about organizations like the Herzog Foundation, and we've heard from academic experts like Andrew Pudawa. So there's lots of great information to help you succeed, whether you are a teacher in a classroom or you are an administrator of a school. All right, so let's go back to today's topic, report cards. Oh, aren't they fun? Ha, ha, ha. Maybe a few teachers have said that. I've personally never said that. I've personally never heard anybody say that they loved making report cards. I'm sure there are some people. But they are a kind of entrenched part of how we do education, even if they vary in what those assessments look like. So why do we do those at all? Whether we do those with the traditional listing of class and A, B, C, D, F, hopefully not too many of those, but that can happen, or whether we 
do those in other ways where it's not assigned a letter, but it is summarized in some sort of narrative. Assessments are a necessary part of human growth and development. So why give yourself a report card? Well, let me talk to you about some of the reasons why, and then I'm going to outline for you 10 specific things to categories that you want to put on that report card. So why do this? Number one, to reiterate, intentional and systematic review is one of the hallmark habits of every successful individual business and organization. In one of Alto Gawande's books, he's the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Checklist Manifesto, which I have to say is a boring title, but it's a fantastic book. Be great to add to your summer reading list. He writes about the process of reviewing medical procedures for residents. And so this acclaimed surgeon shares how the importance of having these honest reviews, reviews that were totally closed to the public that could not be, um, they basically they were very similar to the attorney client privilege. And so by reviewing the procedures, both the successes and the failures, this was an integral part of how medical students learn. Education and healthcare share a lot of commonalities. And so we can learn from one another in these fields. And this book, again, The Checklist Manifesto, and then um, in some of his other books where he writes about the importance of intentional and systematic review. It's also been shown smart business leaders don't just review when something is a colossal failure. We hear a lot of times about that when a company launches a new product or a new service and it totally bombs. And we automatically think, well, gosh, yeah, they need to go back and review that and figure out why. And so that's important. But what we oftentimes don't give equal credibility to is the importance of reviewing when something is a great success. Because all too often, here's what happens. The reviews only happen when something is a failure. They don't happen when something is a success. And people attribute the success to factors that might not actually be the factors that led to the success. And so a company might have success after success after success, or they don't conduct these post-success reviews, and they attribute their success to these other factors. But eventually what happens then is it results in a colossal failure because they were attributing success to the wrong factors to begin with. Sometimes success happens for us for reasons other than what we think. And you may be experiencing great success in your school or in your classroom, but if you don't really know why you are successful in that area, you don't want to have a rude awakening one day when you experience a disaster. And then that's what alerts you to the fact that, oh, wait a minute, this success wasn't here because of X, Y, Z. This success was here because of A, B, C. And I never knew that. So I never adapted so that if I lost that staff member or I stopped doing things this way, that the success would remain in place because these other factors were at work there. 
Another reason for a self-report card is because this is one of the ways we just get to walk out of Christian humility. We get to look to see where we need improvement, not for the purpose of condemnation and judgment, but where we get to grow, we get to improve, we get to become even better equipped in the calling that we have. Another reason for a report card is because report cards are one of the ways we celebrate accomplishments. What gets celebrated gets repeated. That's not just true for students, but that's true for all of us. It's not what gets achieved gets repeated. It's what gets celebrated gets repeated. And report cards are just one of the ways that we can tangibly celebrate our accomplishments. And lastly, report cards affirm our contribution. We do not experience affirmation by default in our world. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that you're not walking around going, gosh, you know, I just, I have such a hard time because every time I turn around, somebody else is just giving me affirmation and kudos and, and just expressing their gratitude and thanks and just you know, affirming my value. I, if that's the world you live in, would you please send me that address because I am going to come live there with you. But so far, I have never found that that's where anybody lives. Rather, we live in a world that by default is kind of scratching at our souls of affirmation and approval because as a species, we tend to be a lot more adept at expressing our complaints than we do our gratitude. And when we are on the receiving end of that, then it has its wear and tear in our souls. And because you are in the people industry and because you are dealing with kids, which means you're dealing with parents, you've got a double load there to carry. You need affirmation. If you're going to succeed as an educator in the long haul, you have to have affirmation. And sometimes that affirmation is going to have to come from yourself. And that isn't arrogance. That is guarding the heart that God has given you so that you can achieve your calling with excellence and not allow the world to tear you down. And I don't just mean by the world, people who aren't Christians, I just mean life. Sometimes the voices that we hear that attack our affirmation the most are the ones in our own head, right? Um, again, I don't know about you, but I have found throughout my life that the voices that show up in my head kind of have a ratio that is pretty heavily weighted in the negative category. And I've got to do a whole lot of work to kind of balance that out or even flip that ratio so that I am hearing the positive things. And that's not just about building me up. It's also just about helping me to to engage and show up in life in a positive mindset. Okay, so you are going to set an appointment just like you would set an appointment to have a parent-teacher conference. You're going to set an appointment for yourself with yourself on your calendar, right? You're going to do that today. You're going to pull out your calendar or your post-it note or wherever you keep track of things, and you are going to make an entry there. You're gonna type it in, you're gonna write it in, whatever you're gonna do, and you're gonna make an appointment with yourself, and you're gonna give yourself time to create a report card for yourself 
for this school year when you wrap it up. So what are the subjects that you are going to give yourself a grade in? Well, there are 10. And so I'm going to list those for you. You ready? All right, here we go. Number one is presence. This is not P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. -E this is presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. -E. Was I present? Not just physically, but was I totally present, mentally, emotionally present when I was in the classroom, when I was in individual conversations, when I was in staff meetings or parent-teacher meetings, when I was just having an informal conversation with a co colleague? You know, chaplaincy is sometimes referred to as the ministry of presence. Just being present, having that as a habit to show up and being fully present wherever you are is an incredible ability to hone in life. And so just ask yourself, you know, how am I doing in that skill set of being fully present in the moment wherever I am and whoever I'm with? Okay, number two, preparation. Do I feel prepared to meet expectations, whether those were my own expectations or job requirements? If so, why? And if not, why? If you look at this and go, yeah, you know, I think I give myself an A in the preparation category. Okay, then be sure to look at why. Was it because of things that you were doing um, or was there a matter that a lot of that preparation where you were dependent on someone else to provide something for you? If that's the case, you want to be aware of that because what happens if something in the structure of your job or your organization changes? What if that person leaves? What if a departmental change happens? You just want to be mindful of why did I feel that I was really prepared? And again, if, you, if you're like, you know, I, I think I just give myself like a B minus in that category. Don't just automatically assume that that was a failure of organization on your part. Maybe it was, okay. But maybe it was also a matter that you have more of a dependency on other people or, or outside resources who aren't showing up or that they're not being able to equip you with what you need. And so you wanna be able to be open-minded and to look and to say, not just what's my score, but what's the reason for my score in this category. Okay, the third subject area is execution. Okay, how much of a gap was there between my expectations of what I was going to achieve and my actual accomplishments? We have all had those days where we go in thinking, this is going to be the greatest lesson ever. Students are going to be thanking me for changing their lives as they walk out the door today because this lesson is so awesome and I prepared for this. And then it's like it totally bombs, right? You get like the dead fish looks throughout the entire class. And then other times where you just kind of say something off the cuff or maybe the class lesson plan kind of goes down a rabbit trail and that's the one that ends up having this great impact on students. Okay, we're all going to have those times that that happened. But overall, was the gap between your expectations and the execution of what you wanted to achieve, was it just right? Was it too small? So maybe you need to have kind of up the um, expectations or was it too big? 
And again, here you want to look at, okay, what's the reason why, not just if it was too big or too small, but what was the reason why it was actually pretty good? All right, the fourth subject area is courage. Hey, it just takes courage to show up when you are in any kind of people industry, especially when those people might not even know how to tie their shoes, or they might think that sticking pencils up their nose is really hilarious and cute and charming. Or they might be at that stage of life that they are looking at you like you are 375 years old and you don't have anything at all in the world to teach them. All right, educators are people of tremendous courage. So look at the courage because you probably didn't make it through the year without any conflict. I'm guessing you had some to deal with. Were there unreasonable expectations that parents or staff or students had of you? Did you have ongoing conflict with a particular student or parent or colleague or even a supervisor? Did you continue showing up to address that and to deal with that? You know, fear never shrinks by itself. Never. You will never see fear go, you know what? I think I've shown up enough here. I think it's time for me to pack up my bags and just kind of slink away. Mm -mm. Fear is like it comes into the room and then pretty soon it has not just showed up in the room. It's decided it's going to take over the sofa and then it's going to take over the chair and then it's going to spread itself across the floor. You get where I'm going with this. Fear will never decide to walk off the field by itself. You're going to have to tackle it repeatedly. That's the only way that you ever get to deal with fear. So I'm guessing that you had some conflict, whether it was in a personal way or whether it was in terms of expectations that you had to confront this year. How was your courage? Did you just keep showing up to deal with it? Hey, you need to recognize that and you need to see that. And if by some chance you're like, you know, I don't know that I'm doing too well in the courage department. Okay. So that shows you an area of life to work on. All right, the fifth subject is boundaries. And this has a lot to do with courage and it's actually gonna have a lot to do with our next subject area. But let's talk about boundaries. If you found yourself feeling a lot more defensive this year than you really would like to be, that's a pretty good indication that something's off with your boundaries. One of the things that John Acuff um, says, and I really like this, is that do you need to have a thicker skin or do you need to have a thicker coat? You know, sometimes we think that we just need to toughen up. We just need to have a different perspective. We just need to be able to handle things better. We just need, and we just keep thinking in terms of we need a thicker skin. Well, it's good to have thick skin to a point, but you get it too thick and you're not going to be an effective person anymore. Eventually, you're not even going to look like a human being anymore. Sometimes you just need a better boundary. You just need to put on a thicker coat. And so look at how are you doing with your boundaries? Number six, balance. Now, this is not about whether or not you can stand on one foot very long. This is a balance in your life because you're not just a teacher or an administrator. You have other roles, and I don't know what all those are, but I know you're going to have some other roles. You're an individual. I know that. You may be a wife, a husband. You may be a brother or a sister. You may still have parents who are living. 
You may be a caregiver, you may have neighbors, you're probably a member of a church or different community groups. And so you have other responsibilities. How are you doing with the balance between your calling as an educator and your other life callings? Number seven, celebration. This has nothing to do with whether you celebrated students. Okay, well, maybe it's a little bit of that. But it's more about, did you take time to celebrate your achievements? Did you take time to share accomplishments? Maybe your school doesn't even have a structure in place to be able to hear and cheer one another's successes. Did you see a breakthrough with a student? Did you have a lesson plan that, voila, it finally went off and it was a smashing success and you're so excited because you poured so much work into it? Did you have a breakthrough with a parent that finally came around to saying that you were not out to destroy their kid? Did a grant project that you had been advocating for and trying to secure, did it come through? Did your school find that new teacher that was so desperately needed in the science department? Did you finally get the parking lot paved? I don't know what your particular challenges have been and your needs have been, but I'm guessing you've had a few this year. And so how have you done at celebrating your accomplishments as an individual and as a school? Number eight, how is your curiosity? Are you more prone at the end of this year than you were at the beginning of the year to ask and not assume? Are you more likely to investigate rather than to slap a label on a student? For example, are you more ready and willing to sit down with a student and to talk to them and to learn why they keep showing up in class without their work properly done? Or have you just kind of slapped a label on that student to say, okay, well, they're just unmotivated. They just don't really care. How's your curiosity going? Also think in terms of how's your curiosity when it comes to learning about learning? Are you exploring, understanding the development of the ages of the students that you work with? Have you read a book or listened to a podcast or read some articles or attended a conference that educated you more about adolescents, if that's the age group you work with, or about preschoolers, if that's the age that you work with? If you're an administrator, have you gotten curious about better people engagement skills and about professional growth, about organizational dynamics? How's your curiosity been this year? Did you end the year more curious than when you began? Number nine, consistency. Notice I did not say perfection because perfection does not exist on this planet. It is an elusive ghost, and whenever we try to think we're actually going to be able to grab a hold of it, we will find out every time it is not grabbable because it's elusive and it's unattainable. So forget perfection. Stop trying to achieve it because you never will. Rather that you want to focus on is, was I consistent? Did I just keep showing up the way I needed to show up when I needed to show up? How is my consistency? And number 10, intentionality. Nobody drifts to success in any area of life. Even sometimes when we look at people and we think, wow, look, they're like an overnight success. You know how many 10 and 20 year overnight successes there are? A lot more than any true quote overnight success. 
there is such a thing as just happening to be in the right place at the right time. Now, I understand from a theological perspective, you may have a different view on that. So I'm not trying to get into the theology of all of this. But what I am trying to say is that whatever your theological perspective about why we end up where we end up, what's common is the aspect of human intentionality. We all have choices to make. How have you done at owning your decision-making, your choice-making ability that God has given to you? Again, this isn't for the purpose of beating yourself up. It's for the purpose of being able to celebrate, hey, you know what? This is where I've grown this year. This is where I have seen improvement. Thanks be to God. He's not done with me. He's continuing to work on me. Woohoo! Let's celebrate that. And it's also that other way of being able to say, okay, God, when I talk about the need to grow and to mature, do I really live that out? Well, if so, and if I really believe that you are for me and not against me, and that everything that you bring into my life that where you are showing me where I need to improve and grow is because you love me and you care for me and you want to multiply my success and my abilities and my outreach, well, part of that's always going to come back to intentionality. Okay, so there you go. You have your presence, preparation, execution, courage, boundaries, balance, celebration, curiosity, consistency, and intentionality that you're going to set aside a time. You're going to make an appointment with yourself and you're going to sit down and evaluate and you're going to give yourself a report card. And then just like all good teachers do, you're going to look at that report card and you're going to see, hmm, okay, where do I need to see that I need to come up with some kind of plan so I can do better in this area? And that's exactly what you're going to do. But first, you're going to celebrate all the success that you have had this year. Thank you so much for listening. And hey, would you just share this podcast with one other friend, a colleague? Maybe you have an administrator at your school that you think, hey, I think this would be of, of great value to, to him or to her or to your colleagues. Um, maybe you're going to have your next staff meeting. You just will say, hey, by the way, if you all don't know, there's this podcast out there for Christian school leaders and educators called Key3 Educators, and they have a website, key3educators.com. You all need to go and check this out. There's some, there's some good information and resources on there. All right, my friend, remember this. You have an impact that truly is immeasurable, eternal, and irreplaceable. Thank you for being with us today. For information on speaking engagements and resources for your school or family, visit the website key3educators.com. Remember, learn yourself, love God, and live connected.